I don't know what's going on here, but I feel the presence of Jesus. And if you don't feel the presence of Jesus, loose! Hallelujah. <laughs> I have exercised the demons. What is your name? Baker's Dozen, for we are 13. Come out, come out, come out. Amen. See, it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength that drives out every foul, unclean spirit. And the realm of the grave in our bellies becomes the realm of Eden in the sweetness of God's holy child, Jesus. We've been kind of sour. We have been. I know I have been. Maybe not you. Maybe you're just perfect and I'm just a terrible wretch that needs salvation because... You know, I've done so much stuff wrong in my life. I know I need Jesus. My God. I talk to sinners that are real sinners. And I grew up with really, really hardcore sinners. I mean, as hardcore as it gets in North America. It's true. And every one of them knew they needed a Savior. Every one of them knew they were a sinner. There wasn't any denying it. No one was deceived about it. It's like, yeah, I practice darkness. I practice rebellion. I am professional at rebellion. And I was one of them until I was 18. And uh, whew, God lifted the grace off my life. I ordered a Minnesota Teen Challenge for drugs and for violence. And they dropped all my charges if I completed the program. And I completed the program and got a, God got a hold of me. Came out of a, a terrible life of sin and entered the glory of God. I was born in the glory of God. My first day felt like 10,000 watts of electricity surging through my whole body. That was my first encounter with Jesus, October 15, 1999. My only exposure to Christianity was Roman Catholicism before that. Nine years of Catholic school, elementary Catholic school, and one year in Totino Grace and Fridley, Minnesota, Catholic school. So I thought Catholicism was Christianity. I had no grit that there was a God, that there was a Holy Spirit. I'd never heard of tongues, never heard of gifts, none of it. I just said, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And I just partied and did all the dumbest stuff you can possibly do at an extreme level. Very extreme. Because I don't know what was wrong with me. I just had one of those personalities, you know, that I'm going to live life in the fast lane, you know, and live hard and die young, you know. Really. Live hard and die young. All the coolest, all my heroes died at 27. You know, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain. The list goes on and on and on and on. All dead at 27. I never thought I'd see 19. I thought for sure 18 was the longest I'd live. I, I could see because I had foresight even when I was in darkness and I had no future past age 18. There was so much darkness in my soul that I, I knew I'd die at age 18. I knew I'd die. That was the end of my world and I was dead. And I did die and overdosed on drugs and I died and I always came back. Came back. Many times. I came back from the dead. Many times. I should have been dead at least 20 times in the last 37 years I've been alive on earth. At least 20 times I should have been dead and I should have been, they, my family would have been going to my funeral. At least 20 times overdosing extreme drug addiction extreme around the worst murderers around the worst criminals hallelujah and I just came back and God wouldn't let me die and I just knew there was a calling on my life 
to help my generation overcome all this death that we deal with on a street level in the USA. And it's precious because God loves us more than Satan hates us. I couldn't believe it that God loved me so much because there was nothing I'd ever done in my rebellious life that deserved any love. I'd never done, I mean, maybe when I was a little kid, little white-haired kid for my first six years, my parents thought I was real cute, but I turned into a demon quick. I was so evil to my parents. I mean, I could just, I could have so many stories about my childhood that are just crazy. There was some good stuff. There was some really, really straight up like Chucky, Chucky stuff. Just, woo! And God restored my family. God healed my family. And God just blessed the relationship. My mom and I and my dad and I are best friends. And I talk to my mom and, and sweet fellowship. They watch the broadcast all the time. My dad watches it every day. My mom, a lot. She watches a lot too. And my mom and dad came out of tremendous rebellion. So, I mean, that was passed on to me. And God just delivered us from all that rebellion. And it's incredible. Whoever's forgiven much loves much. My mom and dad love so much now. It's disgusting. I think, honestly, my other siblings are like a little jealous. I've seen a manifest. It's like, well, you have to understand how much we've been forgiven, and we live now in the glory of God. So it's, there's a difference there. There's, you're different. You're set apart with your family that has been forgiven so much. I'm set apart with my mom, and I'm set apart with my dad. We're getting set apart in our marriage. We're getting set apart in our house. We're getting set apart in our city. I mean, it's a progressive sanctification of coming out of death. Coming out of such darkness that you never think you're going to walk in light. There, is there any light in this world? The light of salvation, it's called in Scripture. There is light. Huh. I want to be a beacon of light to my generation, especially to the youth, especially to the drug addicts and the alcoholics and the gangsters and, and terrible rebellious people and even just normal people, but everyone. But you deal with the extreme cases, and I tell you what, you get a leader. You get leaders. That's how God picks leaders. Saul of Tarsus was the most serious religious person in the world. And God just whacked him with enough grace and enough love to make him the Apostle Paul. It took a huge amount of power to whack that serial killer of religion and turn him into a lover. Turn him into such a lover, he'd go out to the strangers. He'd go out to Greeks. You gotta understand the Pharisees had nothing to do with the Gentile dog world. That was 2,000 years ago. You think Zionism's bad now and the separation of Jews and Gentiles? And there's Zionism in New York, there's Zionism in London, there's Zionism in Israel. It's all over the world. There's, I deal with Zionism, racism every day. There's so many Jews around me every day in Minneapolis and St. Louis Park and we talk and we fellowship and it's wonderful but that Jewish racism stuff is pretty bad now but it's nothing compared to what it was 2,000 years ago they would have nothing to do with it they would have complete separate lives nothing could even be touched by a Gentile dog I'm, you have you were in, an, in a secluded and separated world as a, especially as a Pharisee, I mean, even as just a regular Jew that went to synagogue 2,000 years ago. But now, I mean, with the Apostle Paul, he's going and hanging out with Greeks and serving them more highly than himself. 
we're talking about the most extreme deliverance of the most extreme racism and seclusion and separation of all time. Today, it's nothing. I mean, you're never going to have an example like the Apostle Paul ever again. That's why it's written in the New Testament. Because God knew that the glory would grow and the light of salvation would grow. And it's been growing for 2,000 years. It's been kindled in the torches of the lampstands of the anointed oil through the Christians for 2,000 years. But back then, there was no oil in Asia Minor. The Greeks, the Romans, they'd never had a light of salvation ever. Ever. We're talking about completely brand new, untouched nations. And I know people say, oh, I can go into the jungle of the Amazon and reach an untouched tribe. But you, not like Paul. We're talking about, we're not talking about jungle people here. We're talking about first world nations, Romans, war, war power, and the Greeks, the most highly sophisticated education system and philosophy the Areopagus of Athens and, and that t- sort of stuff in the war machine of Rome. And Paul gets to bring the gospel to them. The Gentile dogs and that Gentile world. You have to understand that amount of power and that amount of love that's available for everyone to completely turn your world from racist, I'm better than you religious person, even a murderer of everyone you disagree with. Do you understand that? Stephen with the glowing face in disagreement with Saul of Tarsus because of his education under Gamaliel and how did they treat someone that disagreed with their doctrine? Killed them. Stoned him to death. Oh my goodness. You've seen that before? We see it every day. I saw it probably ten times today. If you disagree with my revelation, what? You get loved. If you disagree with Revelation, you get loved. You disagree with religion, you get killed. You notice that? You disagree with the apostles and the prophets of the glory realm's revelation, you just cut yourself off from the life of God. You just cut yourself off from the anointing of God and the glory of God and the wisdom of God and the, and the goodness of God and the prosperity of God. You cut yourself off by rejecting Revelation. But with religion, they actually kill you. That's the difference of the two trees in the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You come out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they'll kill you. They kill, they kill me every day. I die daily. I am murdered by words, yeah, and they're words. They're word curses in the spirit. I mean, I've, I've been shot at many times. I've been stabbed at. I've been carjacked twice. There's bullet holes through nearly every room in my house. I've had two drive-by shootings, one when Trump was elected and one when Trump was inaugurated. Through my whole front porch, bullet holes, both times. They shot up my car in front, and they shot up my house. Why? Because they're demon-possessed, and hell's angry at me, thinking I had part in Trump's election? Hell certainly thinks so. No one else in the Twin Cities had that happen to them. Just Red Letter Ministries. Why? Because we're the real deal, baby. We are the real deal, working in that intercessor realm in the belly of the earth, working in the root system of the spirit world, deep, calling unto deep. Not very well liked in the natural, but in the spirit, that's what counts. I could care less about what any people think in the soul and flesh realm. These people are completely blind. I mean, if you want to serve the blindness on their eyes, you'll be serving the dragon scales, scales on their eyes. Purchase ISAB so you can see. Maybe then you'll actually get into apostolic ministry for the first time. Amen? (laughs) Why am I telling you all this? 
Because we're coming into a time of awakening and the scales are falling off of people's eyes of religion and death on a number unprecedented in the history of mankind. Those who have been tortured and tormented for being real in their spiritual stomach with springs and rivers called devils and warlocks and witches and false prophets and cult leaders like we have every day of ministry for 13 years are going to actually start to be seen for what they are, the true apostles and prophets of the glory of God. And those that have been honored by the soulish realm of the psychology and the philosophy of the dying world will be exposed for what they are. What are they, motivational speakers? What are they, false teachers? What are they, false pastors, false prophets, false apostles? Just church planting, planting prison systems. They plant cages that cage your souls. They're not real apostles. A real apostle will serve you the glory of God out of your belly flowing springs and rivers that will glorify your soul in upward circular motions, mounting wings like eagles and going from glory to glory that your vision and your mental clarity is ever increasingly crystal clear in Jesus' name. A lot of people come to a place where it's like, oh, I've flown high enough. If I go any higher, it's going to cost me more of my heart. My wife ain't going to understand. My kids ain't going to understand. They're going to think I'm crazy. <sighs> Who cares? If I'm out of my mind for Christ, it's because of God. If I'm in my mind, it's because of you. Who are you going to serve, God or man? The Apostle Paul says in Scripture, if I'm out of my mind in ecstasy, it actually says in Greek, if I'm out of my mind in rapture, in the highest form of prayer, in the revelations of His glory realms, and my spirit and my soul are flying in chariots of fire over the seven mountains, taking out all the principalities, powers, thrones, and dominions of all spiritual wickedness in the high heavenly realm. If I'm in that realm, it's because of God. Now, if I'm in my natural mind, dumbing it down and, and speaking at a level you can understand, it's because of you, in other words. How many want to be out of their mind for God? How, how many want to stay out of their mind and grow in the higher things of God? You know? You have to keep drinking the new wine to keep your mind thrown to keep going higher. I've been continuously in the Spirit drinking the new wine every day, and it's not always super drunk, but it's always drunk. I mean, I can laugh at everything every day for the last 11 years. How did it start? April of 2008, had an open vision of a golden hookah come down before my head. Before that, I was a prayer and fasting, kind of like David Hogan, and I hate comparing myself to David Hogan, but I was in that style of ministry. Pentecostal fire, prayer, fasting, works, healings, miracles, prophecy, inner city missions, eight hours of prayer every single day, eight hours of ministry on the streets every single day for years. For years. That's what we were doing here at Red Letter Ministries for years, 2006, 2007, and then in 2008, after years and years and years of prayer, prayer, Pentecostal tongues, miracles, miracles, signs, and wonders of really the gifts of the Spirit, moving in the gifts of the Spirit, then we enter the glory realm because the realm of the glory is far superior and higher than the realm of the gifts of the Spirit. There's literally no comparison whatsoever. It's literally a different world. It's like going from the outer court to the inner court, or the inner court to the Holy of Holies. 
I mean, everything I knew about God in the inner court, in the realm of gifts, in the realm of miracles, in the realm of healings, in the realm of the anointing and laying on of hands, is just gone. It's gone in the glory realm. It's gone. You work by a different system altogether. You begin living by the fruits of your lips and angels doing the words in the glory realm. <laughs> it's no longer based on your flesh and blood doing anything. It's the hundredfold realm of the Father's glory. It is. To Him belongs the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, it is written. We've known the kingdom, place of miracles, place of anointing, getting hot hands, hot hands, need an impartation, a fresh touch from heaven, touch, 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 touch. Wonderful. Then we go into the power. What's the power? Working in the gifts. Miracles, power, signs, wonders. But there's still more. There's still so much more than just the kingdom. I know the kingdom is the outer court. The power is the inner court. And the glory is the holy of holies. It's the person of the light being himself. That's when you begin eating gemstones directly off the body of the Father into your spirit body, into your inner man. The Father is a crystal Father. What are your rewards? Silver, gold, gemstones, and God Himself is the priest's rewards. It is written, and we're a nation of priests and kings. It is written, of the Melchizedek order of the new covenant. No more types and shadows of the flesh in the spirit in the Lord's day. In the realities through the veil, in the glory, with the angels. Amen? Truth and In the cloud of His witness. And in the cloud of His witness, it's not just about the cloud. We keep going. Revelation 14, we keep going through the cloud. I love the cloud. We're in the glory cloud. I love His presence. I love His power. I love His goodness. I love His prosperity. But it's more than just all of the gifts. I want the person that sits on the cloud. I want the King of glory. And you rise through the cloud of all of the gifts. And we did that. I love the gifts. We've been through all of the gifts of the Spirit. I started out in extreme Pentecostal Christianity in tasting the glory of God 20 years ago. Went through it for five years, two years of Teen Challenge. Miracles, seeing people healed of AIDS, seeing people healed of cancer, seeing people healed of every sickness and disease, continuous miracles, continuous even drunkenness in Teen Challenge. Five years of North Central University, Assemblies of God Bible College after that, and it was very dry. Very dry. But we still had some prophetic worship. We still had the tongues, praying in tongues every day, but it was dry. And then we got into inner city missions. And then we had the what we had learned. We took what we had learned and we just multiplied it, sowed it into others, kept growing, kept growing, kept growing. We, the whole kingdom company, me and all these angels, we. <laughs> this is a big company here. And, and everyone that's been with me along the way, literally tens of thousands of people every step of the way for the last 20 years. And then in 2008, entering the glory, learning His perfect ways, learning how to talk, learning how to get whatever you say, learning how to have perfect faith, learning how to walk with the Father and receive the gemstones of the Father Himself. You understand, this ain't like rubies, diamonds, emeralds, you know, on 5th Street in Manhattan. This ain't just like natural stones. These are supernatural stones. These are the gemstones of His truth. Every stone of the Father in the mountain of the Lord has revelation in it, has the portion of the fullness of the Father's truth in it. 
The Father is just a gemstone being. It's true. He's a crystal father of a crystal sea. That's where the crystal clear comes from. And you'll see it. You'll see the Father. Oh yeah, I know you're, some of you have seen Him right now. And you hang out with the Father and He imparts His gemstones into your spirit. And that's how your spirit grows up into the fullness of the Father by direct revelation from your Father of your glory, from your Father of your spirit, and your Father of your light and brightness. And you go from glory to glory. You go from strength to strength. At any point that you stop receiving the gemstone portion of revelation truth from the light being directly into your spiritual stomach, that's when you say no to God and you say yes to Satan. I'm going to live a life in the flesh. I'm going to do some stuff in the natural, pretend like I'm a Christian, and it's like whatever. You just, you're you're missing out. You're missing out. There's just so much more to God here. And you just keep eating off the Father. You keep receiving from the Father. And it's all about love because God is love. It's the agape glory. You understand? We're so conditioned by natural love that we have no grid whatsoever for agape love. Phileo love is human love, but agape love is the glory love. It's the realm of Eden. It's the realm of His garden. And it's so much deeper and thicker and milkier and juicier than you can ever imagine. I mean, you could take all the pleasures of the world. And there's a lot of pleasures there. And I know y'all tasted pleasures. And then feel bad for it after if you're a Christian. And not feel bad for it after if you're not a Christian. How do you know you're a Christian? You feel bad after you do something wrong. You would have no conviction in you if you were not saved. But since you're convicted from wrongdoing, that's the evidence of salvation. And you just stop it. And you get revelation of the Father's goodness and the Father's pleasure and the Father's truth gets imparted into your heart and it just changes your inner man to desire Him. You were created to walk with the Father in the coolness of the day, to walk in a perfect Eden environment. Eden is the Hebrew word for pleasure. To be completely filled with pleasures internally, fountains of pleasure, and pleasures externally. So you don't need anything from the serpent in the garden, which is the knowledge of evil, the black tongues of Sodom. I will have no sinful pleasures. I don't care if there's the whole Swedish bikini team walking in front of me. The Father's olive leaves cover them. There's no pleasures in the flesh. I'm not going to sin with my eyes. I'm not going to sin with my flesh. You can cover. You can love. You can stay in the realm of agape and stop sinning with your eyes and stop sinning with your flesh. It's available by revelation of the Father's gemstones. You have to walk with the light being. The immorality is insane out there. There's never been a time in history where at such a young age you're continuously exposed to sex, to nakedness, to orgies, to Pornhub, to all this pornography. The pornography, everyone's got a tablet and a six-year-old could start jerking off to pornography nowadays if they're conditioned by pornography because they got their own cell phone away from their parents. And there's never been this much exposure to immorality, even in ancient Sodom. Even in ancient Sodom. Ancient Sodom didn't have the technology to have this kind of immorality. They're having sex with robots all over the place now. They got all kinds of sex toys of, you know, idols, of like inanimate objects now. There has never been immorality on this scale in the history of mankind. And I think you better recognize Because immorality is what keeps your heart from knowing God. Only the pure in heart see God. So no one can see God, even though this generation has been given so much grace, so much love, unconditional amounts, I mean, just 
oceans of it, they still can't because they're constantly bombarded with immorality. That's why many of you still don't feel the presence and the intoxication of God. Because you just can't get out of the lust. You're stuck in the lust of the flesh, stuck in the lust of the eyes, you're stuck in the immorality, and that thing has you. That prostitute has you. Revelation calls it a prostitute. The idolaters and the prostitutes versus the pure and the holy. Versus the apostles and prophets, really. And every apostle and prophet had a different degree of purity and a different degree of holiness and a different degree of revelation. They have different sized wings. they got different sized gemstones, different ministries, and they're all wonderful. I love every prophet and apostle in the world. Even if half of what they're saying is elementary teaching, just salvation based on the mountain stuff, I could sit there and just gorge on it. But I really need the strong meat. I love the strong meat. I, love, I like hanging out with the most mature apostles, the fathers of glory, over the nations. Because then I get a feast, you know. I don't come here for a little appetizer. I want the strong meat. I want to kill the beasts with wisdom. I want the strong meat on the table. I want the mixed wine. And then from the meat and the mixed wine, let's build something. Apostolic, mature glory realm. Let's build. Let's build a new nation. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, where everyone's immoral, free, and sorcery free, Jezebel free, Satan free, serpent free, tree of the knowledge of good and evil free indeed, from belly to head. Amen? Because we build on the solid rock. Where's the solid rock? In your belly, in your spirit? Or are we building on shifting sands on the soul? What a waste of a ministry. What a waste of finances. 99% of finances are wasted on Shifting Sands ministry because the Shifting Sands manipulative and it's watered down religion and it's phileo love so that the sinful nature of the human flesh is, is drawn to it. It just takes a little manipulation, seeker sensitive, motivational speaker gospels, 99% out there in Babylon. Babylonian ministries everywhere. And the true apostles and prophets are mostly in the caves and in the holes mistreated, lied about. They're all called cult leaders. Jesus was called a cult leader. Jesus was called a false prophet. Jesus was called a false apostle. They called Jesus every name in the book and then they killed him. They're going to treat you the same way if you're walking in the true prophetic and the true apostolic witness of the glory realm of Eden. If you're not being persecuted, you're on the wrong track. If you're being persecuted, it's because you're actually suffering as a Christian, the apostle Peter says. Because you have religious people full of serpents in them all around you and they're going to be attacking you. They're attacking you. They're mistreating you. They're lying about you. They're saying everything to try to hurt your feelings because those demons that are inside the flesh of those people full of lies are trying to pull you down into their level. Nehemiah, we keep building the wall. Not distracted by the rock throwers. They're throwing rocks, aren't they? Sometimes they hit us. I've been hit by every sword, every arrow, every rock that exists. I did it on purpose like a crazy berserker. I started public ministry, broadcasting, started, did that Vice documentary. And we've hit 100 million people now through the Vice documentary, not just on YouTube, but they put it on Snapchat, and they put it on YouTube, and they put it on Facebook three different times, each time as a new, and it got like 10, 20 million on Facebook, so that the whole world can see me and not see me, but see Christ in me and see the apostolic ministry and see the glory realm of God. Who cares how they twisted it? They got hit. They got whacked. 
That's how many people are watching us right now. We did that on purpose so that we could absorb in the ox nature like Moses all the wickedness of the nations into the flesh and forgive their sins. Hanging on a cross for the people you're dying for and letting all the verbal abuse, all the hurt and the pain of humanity come into your flesh and offering your life as a sacrifice to God. That's apostolic ministry. You just take all the pain of the world. You take all the hurt. You take all the lies, everything in them, and you just absorb it into your flesh. Moses did it. It's called intercession. The ox of God plowing the field of the spiritual stomachs of the nations, plowing the foul ground of the foul birds of every lie that's in their genealogy, that's in their belly, that's in their ancestral curses, that's in their spirit. And you plow the foul ground. And you do it. I'll gladly do it. I'd do it a million more times, even if it was a million times harder than this, because there's nothing else here. Who cares? I want to deal with reality. I'm not sticking my head in the sand and doing surface deep Christianity. I want to change nations. I want to disciple nations. I want the menorah. I want the roots of David of the tree of life to come up under every spiritual heart in the world and feed them the love and the grace of the Heavenly Father so we can have heaven on earth through all nations, tribes, and tongues and not lose another generation to strange fire, external religion, in Jesus' name. Amen. Partner with Red Letter Ministries, redletterman.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen.